Hello and welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Zwift. I'm here in Budapest for the start of the 2022 Giro d'Italia and joining me is an old friend of the podcast, Matt Stevens. Great to be here. Of course, uh, we haven't been together since we did the uh, Sigma Sport, little mention of Sigma Sport there. Um, our little cafe ride we did together, didn't we? Which was good fun and went down really well with the public. Yeah, that went down really well. That was really nice. Uh, that was that was great. That was a lot of fun, actually, Bradley. And then, we did, and then we did a cheeky intro pod with Aula as well, didn't we? We which did. Which is technically the first pod of the new season yeah, as we well. So we there's did. been pods. There's been visual pods, which is another word for video. It's like a podcast that you can see with your eyes. <laughs> and this is an audio pod taking place in the heart of Budapest. Outside a restaurant. Uh, Coming up to 11 o'clock at night. It's late, but uh, do you know what? Um, Budapest is a city, apparently, that never sleeps. Apparently so. But what a cracking opening stage. There's Great. something special about the Jura when it comes abroad, and obviously Budapest was on the menu for a couple of years. COVID stymied that, but the, what is, what's your thoughts, Brad, before we go on to the racing, about the reception that we've had here? It's been It's been fantastic. Bonkers. It's been and, great, um, isn't it? I've been surprised, just individually, just how many people recognise you in terms of being cycling fans. They're really um, lovely people, and they've got a huge sort of history with cycling, but their knowledge of cycling is great. I mean, spotting, I never expected to be recognised here as an ex-rider, but it's been overwhelming, actually. Um, yeah, we, we came down the finish straight today, walking through the finish straight where you were working, and got a standing ovation. It's quite something. Wow. That's yeah. very, very cool, isn't it? Yeah, but it was well, good. That, in all seriousness, mate, I know you're, you're very modest about that sort of thing, and you've been a while since you've been in the Giro, but how did that actually make you feel? Um, same as usual, really. I think yeah. it's a little bit embarrassing. But, um, I mean, it's just, you know, it's been nice being here. And I saw Andrea Nowhere today, yep. an ex-rider. I've seen quite a few ex-riders here. Yep. And then hanging around at the finish like a child in awe of Matthew van der Poel trying to, get, trying to get his attention, you know, trying to see if he recognises It's funny, me. isn't it? The, the new generation. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I think it's fair to say, without going off on too much of a tangent, that we are living in a golden generation. Yeah. Some of the riders coming through now. I mean, you're a star of the sport, but you'd... You look at you look at the riders now. Yeah. Van der Poel is up there, obviously with Van. Aert. He is stardust, and I think having him at the Giro and almost designing the opening stage for him. Let's be honest. Although it's a bit of a stretch, for he had to go so deep today. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it sprinkled a proper bit of stardust on this opening stage, isn't it? Yeah. One thing I noticed today was just the the, the inability to get the hands up over the line because of the fatigue. I mean, we we were stood 100 meters after the finish line, and when they were coming through, it was. Um, you, you recognise the effort they'd put into that, that climb. It was amazing. And seeing Caleb, Caleb was in quite a bad way, actually, when he crossed the line. Yeah, that was a he horrible crash. He looked in crash. pain. Because, you know, when you crash and you're on your limit as well, you've got that extra bit of fatigue to sort of... It's a bit different to crashing in a bunch sprint on the flat. But I was surprised to see Caleb still there. That shows... That's, that bodes well for him, doesn't it? I mean, all, all three of those riders were absolutely... Everybody else were well, the GC riders who were just, just behind... Kelderman, Bilbao, they were absolutely on the limit. And then obviously the guys with the punch had to then take it beyond that. But I, I've never seen, I mean, we know that Van der Poel can go deep, but I've never seen him. He, all, he, he just shook his head yeah. as if he'd come second or third. And that was a win. And he's, he's in, you know, he's in the, yeah. the Malia Rosa. But that just shows how deep he went and how much he wanted it as yeah. well. I mean, I think it was about 300 to go when the, 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 they started accelerating. It looked like Mathieu didn't have it for a moment. And then all of a sudden he appeared again out of nowhere. But yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal. And the, the gentleman who finished second, his name is... It's, Benjamin Gramai. I mean, another one. Again, Webber Gambino, now second, almost winning the first stage of the Giro d'Italia. He's got some future ahead of him. He's a stellar talent, in fact. He's I met him after the finish. He was a lovely, lovely guy He's as well. very gentle, isn't he? Beautiful and and guy. Uh, he's yeah. a long-term contract. I think he signed through to 2026. Uh, yeah. within, uh, that was a podcast peak to my right with my headphones in, if you got them. But uh, forgive him that. You don't mind me saying that, do you? Because no, no. this, this podcast is, is real. I think we should describe the scene. Yeah. Because you're dressed, well, you're dressed in your normal clothes, 
but you've got a I think poncho. it's the first ever podcast that I've ever done with you, Brad, or another another human being um, yeah. in a in a in, in a in a poncho. A, in a, in a, a poncho stroke blanket, picnic blanket. Yeah. They were on the chairs here, and it's quite cold now in the evening. It's dropping um, off a bit, isn't it? And I thought, you know, you've got to look after your health. Health is, you're nothing without your health these days. Especially after a, a stage <laughs> as difficult as that um, for, for spectators and uh, commentators. You know, alike. what with the, the risks around COVID um, and the different strains of COVID at the moment, I thought I'd be careful. Not quite cashmere, but it's. Um, no, I've not. It's wool. It's, it's a wool blend. Got Not sure it's like 100% merino or whatever like that, but there's certainly a mix of blend of wool to it, which will be on the cheap side because they won't put five, like 30 outside in a no, restaurant. Expensive. But there will be an element of, of um, quality to it because, they, you know, lots of people sit on these during the day. I know this podcast isn't sponsored by Dunnell Mill, but they probably got them from the Hungarian equivalent of Dunnell Mill because yeah. reasonable quality, but low, low prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cracking place. So Brad, we mentioned before that we yeah we'd done the, the cafe ride, we'd done a podcast, but quite a lot has happened yeah. since we did that first podcast because we're now in the first grand tour of the year. But just pick a couple of highlights for you from the year so far leading into the Giro. The three that stick out for me, I was there, I was in the action, I was on the motorbike yeah. commentating for Eurosport. Obviously, um, the first one was Strada Bianchi and, and the effort that uh, Tadej Pogacar put in so early in the season, um, just before he won the Tirreno Adriatico, and to go with. Was it 50k to go? Yeah, 50, 55k to go. It's nuts, um, wasn't it? And being right there with him and the effort was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Tour de France winner. I think he's nailed on for his third tour this year. Um, the form he's showing. And then to follow up by my second uh, highlight of the year was Tour of Flanders. Yep. Where Tadej again was phenomenal. A real protagonist, wasn't he? With Mathieu, of course. And those two soloing into the finish together. <laughs> being caught in that latter stage. But Mathieu winning his second Tour of Flanders. Surpassing his dad, Adri, who won one. Yeah, I mean, and then Paris Roubaix as well, being so, on that motorbike. You know, first time back at Paris Roubaix since since our last race there. Twenty sixteen, yeah, 15, 15. 15, 15. Um, But to be on the motorbike and um, right in the heart of the action and watching them there and remembering it was it was. A, but I could have gone on. For, it could have been three times as long as I stayed on the motorbike. It was great. It did look great. And Dylan Van Baal's effort and, and what it meant to Ineos and Team Sky's first Paris Roubaix, if they could still be called that, was yeah. amazing. I think. I think my. I think. I'd have to echo those sentiments. Watched all three of those races. Absolutely enthralled, mate. And, uh, you know, I know you're an ex-rider from what is now Ineos, but they have really changed, mixed things up. And um, another a highlight for me, away from the, the monuments, was actually Itzulia, toward the Basque country, which was won by Danny Martinez. Yeah. And um, there was a lot of older riders up in the mix there. And it was one of the most exciting final stages of any stage race I, I'd seen in the, in the, the last five or six yeah. years. Yeah. The descending of Pella Bilbao, the capitulation of Remco Evenepoel and, the, and then Yoni uh, Zagire crashing with 3k to go getting back up again winning the stage Vlasov also there Martinez eventually winning mm. overall it was absolutely nuts but beautiful I think we I was just chatting to Ned Bolting in, in the commentary position today we because I'm doing the world feed and guesting here but um, just to add a little bit of context to why I'm here but I think we're living in a bit of a golden era Brad we're, yeah. we're a little bit spoiled it is it's we're going to remember this this fertile period, aren't we? It's, yeah. it's like Roy of the Rover stuff. It really is. It is, bonkers. yeah. And then, of course, you know, Remco winning Liège. Oh, God, yeah. So, you know, him... The thing I've noticed with him is he's able to pick himself up from disappointments and the tag yeah. he carries in Belgium as this, the next Sadie Merckx, if you like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, him winning Liège. I mean, another Belgian win in Flesch Vallon. Um, Valverde still being up there, podium in yeah. Strada Bianchi, podium at Flesch Vallon. 
And then last week, Vlasov in Romandy. I that mean, was that was a, amazing as well to yeah. watch. And then a few old guards in Kwiatkowski and Amstel. Yep. Tom Pidcock's performances in a few races as well. He's sort of been up and down, but keeps coming back. He's had his own problems with his uh, yeah. with, with illness a little bit, yeah. hasn't he? But uh, Pidcock will come back. He's now doing a little bit of mountain bike. But I, I think it's been... I mean, we're only at one stage. We've had a... Wouldn't say vintage, but that final today in the Giro has set things up really, yeah. really nicely for, for the rest of the race. And it's difficult to to get a crystal ball on this this edition of the Giro and think there's no out and out pure favourite. But looking ahead, who do you think of the assemble field here? You think will shine? We know how unpredictable the Giro is. We yeah. know the attrition rate is always ridiculously high. So there are going to be some hitters that are going to be gone by the gone by the wayside. So who do you think, all things being equal? could be on the podium in, in Verona in three weeks' time. I'd like, to, I'd like to think that Carapace can pick up, you know, follow on from, of course, he won a few years ago, didn't he? But follow on from his um, third place in the Tour de France last year. I think he's, you know, Ineos going for number three on the trot. I can't see Tom, I just can't see it with the days of racing he's had being up there yeah. in three weeks' time. Apparently, we're just chatting to some of our Dutch colleagues and he was saying, and this might be a little bit out of date by the time this goes out, but I think it's worth mentioning it because depending on what happens... That he's he's tipping himself to win the TT. He tipped yeah. Vanderpol to win the opening stage, and you you, you know you know Dumoulin a bit. You know you've, you, you've you've raced with him. I mean, he's been through his own travails. You know, been yeah. very very you know very very public. He's only done about eight eight or nine days racing. Yeah. But the way the riders train these days, clearly they know the his numbers are good. Apparently, yeah. And Jumbo Visma wouldn't bring him here if he wasn't no. right. I don't think he'd come, and he don't think he'd no, tip no. himself either. So, do you think Dumoulin? On the little that we know, because there's no evidence of any form in races, no. but do you, st- do you still think he's got the capacity to do well? Yeah, and it's only nine kilometres this time, so it's it going to be very, very difficult yeah. to, to predict, but um, I think he'll be gauging himself against the rest of the field. You know, nine kilometres, we're looking at about 11, 12 minutes of effort. But as you said at dinner there, I think Matthew van der Poel will be tough to beat tomorrow. Yeah. And he will be Tom's biggest challenger, I think. Because he isn't a TT specialist by any stretch of the imagination, but he can ride a TT, and that's that's a diff- that's a very different yeah. thing, isn't it? It's a, it's I mean, he won the TT in the Tour. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a long prologue, like yeah. you say. Um, but uh, yeah, right through the heart, heart, the heart of, of Budapest starts in Hero yeah. Square again, heads down the the uh, the river up and round, and then finishes at the top of the climb. Yeah, an interesting course. Other particular riders that you might we want to watch out for heading uh, into the next three weeks especially in the mountains when you're on the moto yeah. uh, I think Kelderman yeah. um, I think he's been up there in the Giro the last couple of years hasn't he he's been fourth I think he's been third on the podium yeah yeah yeah. he looked he was up there today I think he was fifth today that was a good ride by yeah. Kelderman actually looked punchy and I'm impressed by Bora this year you know since Sagan's departure they've become much more of a rounded team you know obviously with Vlasov last week and that then I, I think it was before those guys sort of sacrificed their chance in a bit when, whenever um, Sagan was at a race so I expect a lot more from them Superman Lopez yeah. I mean he's so unpredictable isn't he yeah massively so but I think he'll be there I think he's growing every year with a little bit more confidence yep um, Almeida yeah Joe, yeah yeah. another one and outside of that it's very very open yeah it's very very, very difficult to oh, what about, about Simon yeah for, for me Simon yeah my personal favourite is over, even over Carapaz personally is, is Simon Yates yeah. just that little bit I think he'll put Carapaz away in this time trial, and I yeah. think he'll beat him in the final time trial. With a lot, of, a lot of elevation, about fifty thousand meters of elevation in yeah. between now and then. Well, that's the big but thing. I, yeah. And then obviously the weather and things like that. But um, the gyro is so unpredictable. We could lose one minute one day, two minutes the next. I mean, look at Simon's yeah. explosion a few years ago. I yeah. mean, he was taking minutes out of Chris Froome on some stages. Yep. And lost a packet on the last day, didn't he? Yeah. So it's so unpredictable. That's why the Giro is such a great race to watch. It is, such isn't it? a, it's such a, it keeps you 
you know, it's never over, is it? Yeah. You know, the Tour de France, we get to week three and there's a gap and it's kind of, that's pretty much it. But here, it's uh, anything can happen. I think there's there's something particular in the DNA of the race, that that romanticism and that kind of pure, that real cycling purity and the access you can get to the races is always there. That's the constant. But the other constant, which is kind of paradoxical, is the fact they are constantly tinkering with the stage the stage yeah. formula and that's what makes this race so beautiful and, and you know hilltop finish today tt stage two mm. one for the sprinters stage three i just love it it's almost as if they're throwing a 21 21 cars in there with different stages on them just landing and see in where they land yeah. and to see all that and I, yeah. I i love that there's, there's no well obviously they've got to go up the country and generally finish in the north yeah. generally speaking but yeah. i do like the flamboyant very italian yeah. Yeah. way that they design the course i mean it's that's, great yeah it is yeah. it's cool and I think the Giro has really advanced the last few years. And, and, and um, it was a very, when, when I rode it the first time in 2003, Marco Pantani rode, and it was a very Italian race. When you rode it in 2000, it was yeah, a very Italian it's race. very, very Italian. I mean, yeah. that was very different then to what it has become now. It's become much more of an international field, isn't yep. it? Less Italian, but there is still that Italian core at the heart of it, which yep. is great. But um, yeah, I mean, when you rode the Giro, it was, it was an Italian race, wasn't it? It was. Lots of Italian teams. I can't tell you how many, but there were, I mean... I would I'm, say 80% of the field were probably Italian. Uh, then, probably they? were. There, there were, yeah. yeah. Thinking back, you're right. I mean, yeah. uh, I remember the Amica Chips team, sponsored by Crisp Coming. They still get them locally. Well, not, not maybe in Hungary. Yeah, you but, very much uh, so. Uh, Amica Chips. Uh, Liquid Gas Patcher. Yeah, Great names. Yeah. What was the other? Vetta. Yeah. They make camping cars. Camping cars. Also, Brescia Lat. Do you remember that? Milk. Dairy. Milk. Fossil Balter was like concrete. Yeah. For building sites, and then of course, well, Quickstep, well, Quickstep are part Italian, weren't they? They weren't really properly Italian, Belgian yeah, Italian, but they had a, so. a real Italian heart with some of the Italian riders that were that were there. But yeah, I don't often talk about this, Brad, because you're in a reasonable time trial in your day, so you'll appreciate it. Uh, I did put Marco Pantani away in did the you? prologue of the 2000 Euro. Um, let's just have a look at. Let's just let's just talk through that opening prologue. It was 174th, so just outside uh, the top 150. And let's have a look at the full results from the prologue of the 2000. There you go. It was won by Jan Haruska yeah. from uh, Paolo Salvadelli was second. Bradley McGee was third. Yeah. Chippo finished in fourth. This finished in the Vatican. It was a very, very short, a brief uh, prologue, 4.6 Ks. And then there's some other good riders. Uh, Pavel Tonkov only managed 21st. Great Tonkov, wasn't he? Um, Winner the Giro in 96. Yeah. Uh, Pataki, uh, Alan Pataki, who's one of our co the Italian, to Alessandro, but we call him Alan. Was twenty sixth. Ali, uh, uh, Ali, Ali, Alje. Let's just. I'm just. I'm. We'll have to put some incidental music in because I'm scrolling. Quite a long way down. <laughs> Robbie McEwen, hundred and tenth, uh, and you know now works for the Home of Cycling. Um, it's a blimey. It's a big, big field. It was a big, big field. Matt Stevens, hundred and forty ninth, an average speed of forty four point seven five seven k's an hour, and on the same time as. Leonardo, Leonardo Piopoli, one of the finest climbers ever from Spain, and I actually put put a second into him. So that's the cool, that's the sort of ride that I was capable Italian, of right, back in he? the day. Piopoli, uh, and then let's have a look where. Oh, there he goes, Stevens, 150. He won the King of Mountains of the Giro quite a few occasions. He did very, very, and then Marco Pantani, who basically, I put the best part of yeah seven seconds into. Yeah. Very good. Nearly laid it down on a corner. But we got to visit the Pope, waffling on about the past, but it's just the Giro. For me, my, I rode one Grand Tour, mate, and for me, that was it's a big part of my life, actually. It's a big, big two yeah, and a bit weeks of my life. Uh, and then to be back and, and on the race is, is very, very special. 22 years ago? Yes. It's a long time, isn't it? 
a long, long time. Blimey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the following year, we were briefly teammates, teammates weren't we? In a, in a hotel, yeah. in, a, in a Premier Inn, briefly. Yeah, 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 we were. So the, uh, the Ciclamino competition at this race... We've got Gaviria here, haven't we? Yeah, Fernando Gaviria. Yep. Yeah, Mark Cavendish. Yep. Caleb Ewan. That's going to yep. be hotly contested, isn't it? I don't know if they're all planning on going to the finish. I doubt Caleb traditionally he's got the tour. He's, he wants this year to win a stage in every Grand Tour in the same year. So he wants to win a stage here, obviously, and was very close today before he uh, came to grief. He wants to win a stage in the Tour and in the Vuelta. So, so I, I think he will leave maybe after 10 or 12 days before things get, get big. Get, get difficult, shall I say? And also, there's Arnaud Demar as well in, in the mix. Um, and then you've got, you know, there's a couple of decent sprinters. Like Jakob Rexo is a second tier sprinter. Then Van der Poel himself. I mean, um, and it was interesting today for the first time to see the riders and Jakob Zolo vying. Now that first intermediate sprint today, there was two riders already up the road, and there was already quite a reasonable tussle for those points. So it, I think it gives an indication of the riders that are going to go for it. Mm. But uh, we're directing to Cavs' chances in, in of winning I think a stage. Win a stage. Yeah. Maybe two. I've got the feeling he's going to win two stages. Yeah. He's been in great form this year. He's followed on from last year. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, wouldn't put anything past him. And I think he proved that last year. Yeah, and I think he's he's pretty relaxed coming into this race as well. He looked relaxed today at the start. Yeah, yeah. And and today wasn't for him, so he could rel- relatively speaking enjoy yeah. the stage, just get through. Tomorrow's going to be similar as well, yeah. with a focus on on stage three. But uh, no, and and when you we all, always calve the focus for Cav is oh winning the getting the record in the Tour de France, but. He hasn't ridden this race for, for nine, nine years. years. He's still got 15 stages in his back pocket. Yeah. It's quite incredible. Amazing, it? When you look at the other races that Cav has won, it's, it's legacy is incredible, amazing. Brad, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely amazing, yeah. 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 But uh, no, I think, I think we've got a, yeah, a stellar sub-competition with a man. I mean, he must have well. a, 50 grand tour stages plus, nearly. Using maths, 50. 50. 34 I mean, and... That's 50, not bad, is 30, it? 49, no. No, and, the, uh, and he's... Got a couple in the Vuelta, hasn't he? I don't think he has a Vuelta. No. Oh no, he's won three stages of the Vuelta. So he's on fifty-two. So he's at thirty-four add fifteen. Forty-nine. Forty-nine. Add three. Fifty-two. That's incredible. Fifty-two stage wins. Fifty-two stage wins just in Grand Tours. Mm. Mm. I think we better just leave just put just leave that there, really. Yeah, yeah. A bit of a mic drop, isn't it? And on that note, Matt, do you think he'll go to the Tour de France? That's really thanks for uh, passing that one to me, Brad. Um I think I'd all he's got to do is just do the Keep best doing he what can. He's doing. Yeah, and, and I like. I know it's a very easy thing to say. He's got to do his, but yeah, that's yeah. all he can do. He's got to focus. We know that deep down, and he's very, very. You know, he's a, he's a he's a consummate pro, isn't he? And and he gets on very, very well with Jakobsen as well. Yeah. So he's not going to want to, in public, air any animosity because yeah. they're both professional riders. Um, but I think he's got. I think he's got a good chance. But all he's got to do is get his head down, pick off a couple of stages here, and I think the pressure bizarrely might actually be on Jakobsen then um, in the race that Jakobsen has before the Tour de France so I think it's still pretty open is my honest opinion on that yeah and you can have a listen to a very recent interview with Mark Cavendish in a brand new uh, Eurosport the breakdown podcast it was called the breakdown the breakdown which uh, with with Orla and, and Greg with Rutherford. Greg Rutherford as well I, I did have a listen while I was um, podcast Pete said got this great new podcast and it arrived just as I was on Zwift so I, I listened to it and it's a great listen and a great insight to yeah, a legend. Fantastic. Absolutely superb. Well, that's it for the Bradley Wiggins show this time. Thank you, Matt Stevens. It's been my pleasure. Really enjoyed yeah, it. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Bradley Wiggins show sponsored by Zwift. I'm backstage 12 for another podcast. Hopefully, Matt will join me there. I'll do my best. Until then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.
Take care. Arrivederci. Ciao.